Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I remember once this teenage girl says to me a few days before Sunday, Pastor Brock, what are you preaching on this Sunday? And I told her and she said, well, would you, I have some relatives coming this Sunday. Would you make sure you preach salvation? They need to be converted. In this half hour, we're going to answer the question, how is a person converted? I love to read conversion stories. If you've watched this show a lot, you've heard me tell you the conversion of St. Augustine, St. Patrick, Martin Luther, John Wesley, Wesley's mother, Susanna Wesley, Mary Slessor. These are wonderful stories. Well, today we're going to take a conversion story from the New Testament. We're going to see about the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. And we're going to see there were eight steps in his conversion. If you're converted, you might not have all eight of these steps, but you'll have some of them. So would you take out your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 8, and let's ask the question, have you been converted? Let's pray first. Father, we pray for anyone watching this show who is not converted, that you will bring them to conversion and they will come to know Jesus Christ. Maybe there's someone watching who thinks they're converted, but they're not. Lord, we would pray you open our ears, our hearts, open my mouth, and speak to us now as we open the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. But an angel of the Lord said to Philip, who was an evangelist, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Here's the first step of conversion. God sends a preacher. If you are converted, it is because somehow, somewhere, God sent you a preacher. That preacher might have been grandma. It might have been a friend at work. Or maybe it wasn't a person that preached, but an event. My dad had nine kids in his family growing up. They never went to church. When my dad was about 12 years old, he got scarlet fever, almost died. All the kids got baptized. So sometimes God sends you a person. Sometimes God sends you an event that makes you know, I need to be converted. Look at the second step, Acts chapter 8, verse 27. And Philip arose and went, and behold, an Ethiopian a eunuch, a minister of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. He was reading his Old Testament. That's all they had back then. Here's the next step in conversion. The scriptures are read. It's while he is reading Isaiah chapter 53 that prophesies the sufferings of Christ that he gets converted. And maybe that happened to you. Maybe you didn't have a grandma or an event preached to you. 
but you just started reading your Bible and you got saved all by yourself. It happens. Some people get saved by picking up that Gideon Bible in their hotel room. Doesn't, I don't think that's, that's common or normal, but it can happen. There's a story. Somebody gave an atheist a Bible and challenged him to read it. And he said, well, I'll read your book. So he takes the Bible. He gets one-third through the Bible. And he says, wife, if this book is right, you and I are wrong. He keeps reading. He gets two-thirds of the way. Wife, if this book is right, you and I are lost. He reads all the way to the end of the Bible. Wife, if this book is right, you and I can be saved. And they were. Some people get saved just by reading the Bible. But look at the next verse, verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. So Philip ran up to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Here's the next lesson, next step in conversion. The scriptures are explained to you. Often it's not enough just to read the Bible. You need somebody to explain what it means. When I prepare for a, a, a Bible study or I'm just reading the Bible on my own, I'll have a number of commentaries because, you know, Christians have been reading the Bible for 2,000 years. Learned people have been writing commentaries. So I don't just read the Bible by myself. I like to get the wisdom of the ages while I'm reading the Bible. I hope you read your Bible by yourself, but I hope you have some good Bible commentaries. Take advantage of this. Because I will tell you, now and then I'll get an email from someone that sees the show. I've gotten this through the years, and the email goes like this. Pastor Brock, I don't go to church because the church is in darkness. The church doesn't understand the Bible properly like I do. And because I understand the Bible properly, all I need is the Bible. I don't need the church. And, and I humbly try to write these people back. You know, if, if all you need is the Bible... What about Hebrews chapter 10 that tells you, go to church? And I also, you know what I've also noticed? These people, I think, are arrogant. They understand the Bible. The churches don't. They have, the, the people that try to stay all by themselves to understand the Bible, they have weird beliefs. So I hope you go to a church, or I hope you're part of a Bible study, but I hope you are letting the truth of Scripture be interpreted for you through the church. Look at... Verse 32. Now the passage of the scripture which the eunuch was reading was this, and now he's quoting Isaiah 53, written 700 years before Christ about Christ's crucifixion. Quote, As a sheep led to the slaughter, or a lamb before its shearer is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken up from the earth. Next step is conversion. The cross is proclaimed. You hear that Christ's life was taken up from this earth for the sake of your salvation. I have learned through the years, if you want to convert somebody, you go right to the cross. Many years ago, I had two agnostic friends. We argued Adam and Eve and evolution. We argued the, the miracles of the Bible. I got nowhere. Finally, it was explained to me, Tom, talk to them about the cross. 
So I said, I, I, with both of these uh, people, I said, can I just tell you what happened on the cross? And I'll never bring it up again if you don't want me to. And they were, okay. <laughs> and I just, I, I gave them a little booklet to explain the cross. That day, one of them became a Christian. The, the other one, I'm not sure where he's at to this day, but what converts people is the cross. Recently, I met a young couple. I, I think they're living together with, without the benefit of marriage. And they're in their, I think, late 20s. He's from Greece. She's from Chile down in South America. And they invited me to dinner. So I said, sure. And, and I prayed, God, open a door. So we go out to dinner. We're sitting at the restaurant. We're talking about all kinds of things. God isn't really coming up. They know I'm a pastor, but that's about all they know. And kind of in the middle of nowhere, the young woman says, what is wrong with America? And I'm not sure what she meant. I'm guessing all the shootings and violence. And I said to her, what's wrong with America is we have turned our back on God, and now you get what you get. And then I launched into the gospel. And I said to them both, can I tell you what the most important thing is that I preach? We're all sinners. We deserve to go to hell. God loved us so much. He came down from heaven. His name was Jesus. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He went to the cross. He paid for our sins. He took the punishment for our sins so that God could forgive us. He rose from the dead, and you believe in him, you're forgiven, you go to heaven. And you know what I noticed? When I started talking about the cross, the man got tears in his eyes. And he told me, I was raised Greek Orthodox, and I rarely go to church anymore. And I don't know what they did with what I preached to them, but what I've learned is if you want to convert someone, you talk to them about the cross. Look at verse 34. And the eunuch said, about whom does this person, the prophet, speak? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, Isaiah 53, he told him the good news of Jesus. Here's the next step in conversion. Jesus is seen as good news. Let's talk about this. The world doesn't get it. The world thinks Jesus is bad news, and Jesus is out to wreck my fun, and he wants to be Lord of my life. Well, I want to be Lord of my life. But once you start to get converted, you stop believing the lies of the devil and you start saying, Jesus wants what's best for me. He loves me. He wants to forgive my sins and save me for eternity. Jesus is good news. I will tell you, an old man said to me once, the one thing I got when I came to Christ was peace of mind. I never had that before, but when I came to Christ, I got peace of mind. That's the next step of conversion. You start to realize Satan's lied to me. Jesus is not bad news. He's good news. Next step in conversion, verse 36. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and baptized him. The next step in, in conversion is baptism is administered. 
if you've never been baptized, start going to church regularly and then say to the pastor, Pastor, I need baptism because baptism is part of conversion. Then look at verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught up Philip, and the eunuchs saw him no more. Here's the next thing that happened. It doesn't happen in all conversions, but in this one it did. A miracle confirms the gospel. And I'm guessing the rest of his life, this eunuch maybe said, you know what happened the day I got baptized? We come up out of the water and poof, Philip the evangelist disappeared. <laughs> that kind of was a little proof to me, this is all true. Not everybody gets that, but he did. Last step in conversion. Verse 39. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. We're going to see now the two results of conversion. The first one is rejoicing. If you know Christ has converted you, that gives you joy. I mean, I don't see this often, but I, I saw it this one time. I took some teenagers to, to Bible camp years ago. And we're all sitting in this circle, and I'm explaining the gospel to them. And when I explain, you can't get to heaven by being good enough because you'll never be good enough. It's only because of Christ, what he did on the cross. Therefore, I can know for sure I'm forgiven and going to heaven because he promises me, believe in Jesus, and you will be saved. I remember these two teenage boys getting so excited. I don't know if they could, I mean, kind of almost jumping up and down excited. I don't get that very often. But once you're truly converted, it brings you such joy that you know where you're going to spend eternity. <laughs> and then, then, so one result of conversion is you get joy. And then the last result is uh, verse 40. But Philip was found at the town Ozotus. And passing on, Philip preached the gospel to all the towns till he came to the town of Caesarea. Here's the last result of conversion. You evangelize others. Philip gets saved, and he spends the rest of his life saving others. So, I, I mean, I, know an old pa I knew an old pastor. He's now dead. But he, I, I used to watch him uh, lead people to Christ. <clears throat> and what he would do, the person would pray and accept Christ. And then this pastor would say, now, I want you in the next 24 hours to tell one person that you came to Christ today. Can you think of somebody? And often, oh, yeah, my mother will love this, you know, this kind of thing. But, you know, the pastor was trying immediately to get this person to start evangelizing others. <clears throat> Those are the steps of conversion. What I want to do now is review the steps, and you ask yourself, have I been converted? You won't necessarily have all these. You'll have some of them. Number one, can you think of someone or something that preached the gospel to you? Number two, did you maybe get converted just by reading your Bible? Or number three, did you get converted when someone explained the Bible to you? Number four, do you remember when the cross came home to you, that you came to understand what happened on the cross? Uh, number five, good news. Do you remember when Jesus became the best news of your life? Number six, baptism. Have you been baptized? Number seven, maybe God did a miracle to prove to you that he's up there. And then number eight, the results. Not the, are you happy 24 hours a day, but do you have that joy that you know your Savior and your eternity? And do you ever talk to people about Jesus? Do you evangelize others? Those are some of the signs of conversion. Amen.
Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you talked about conversion today, mm -hmm. but you didn't really say exactly how does one go about evangelizing mm -hmm. someone else. And you know, Jackie, I don't think there's one way you have to do it. But for someone to be saved, they have to know that they're a sinner. Jesus died for your sins. He rose from the dead. Believe and repent and believe in him and be saved. But how you do that, like for instance, that couple I talked about that I had dinner with, Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. He probably would have right then and there said to them, would you like to now pray and receive Christ? Because he was very direct. I'm a little more indirect. I told him how to be saved and I'll leave it to... to them and the Holy Spirit to whatever. So I don't, I don't think either way is wrong. But again, what you do have to do, Jackie, though, is share what happened on the cross and Christ rose from the dead. Believe in him. So that's the message. That's that the basic. I get this from 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul talks about the things of first importance. He died and he rose. So that's the message that converts a person. Yeah. Okay. Do you use pamphlets when you're I talking do. to people? I sure Well, yes, I do. In fact, <laughs> you know what I can do now because we have a TV show. I, Bill Bright wrote a little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. It's a, it's a salvation booklet. What I did for this couple, I wrote our, our website address, pastorstudy.org, on the back of The Four Spiritual Laws, and I said, here, go to our website. And the reason I do that, Jackie, is on the website, on the front page, is our statement of faith. It's all about the Trinity, salvation, Christ, etc. So, uh, and I do hand people pamphlets. You better I'll, I'll, I, when I'm when I'm on the plane, I'll stick a four spiritual law in in the magazine in the air, airplane rack, just hoping somebody's going to find that. So you bet I use them. Okay, what do you do with the fact that one verse can have different interpretations by a person yeah. than? another yeah. person. You know, I, I talked about don't read the Bible just by yourself, get some good commentaries. Well, that can be a headache because you might have on a certain difficult verse four commentaries with four different interpretations. So, Jackie, here's my response. Yeah, there are difficult passages of Scripture to understand. And Paul the Apostle himself said in 1 Corinthians 13, now I know in part, then heaven I shall understand fully. I think we study it and on certain passages, we're not exactly sure what it means. But remember old Pastor Maynard Force. He said, I study the Bible, and when I come to a difficulty, I look at it, I study it, but then I tip my hat to it, walk around it, and I move on. <laughs> okay, you mentioned commentaries. I guess, is there a, any commentary that you would recommend for someone mm -hmm. who is thinking about going out and purchasing yeah. one? To I would, uh, yeah, be careful because Liberal scholars have written commentaries too, and well, of course Jesus never said this. Well, what do you mean Jesus never said that? <laughs> so get a good conservative commentary. I like the English Standard Version ESV Study Bible. I like the Wycliffe Bible Commentary. There's lots of good uh, Bible commentaries out there, but just when you go to the Christian bookstore, just say, you got any good conservative Bible commentaries for me? <clears throat> okay, Pastor Brock, I'm gonna ask you a question now that I don't think probably a lot of people ask you, but can you personally tell us how you got converted? I will. But Jackie, I, I was, I'm sorry, I didn't do this before the show started. I want to ask you first, <laughs> and then I'll answer. Can you, t I guess I, people like Jackie, and they want to know about her. Jackie, how did you get converted? 
I grew up with the most loving grandparents that shared Jesus with me on a daily basis. And I, you know, I never questioned them. And my mother and dad prayed together. I saw that happening. I went to Sunday school from the time I was old enough to be in a three-year-old class. I went through confirmation. My parents saw that we went to church every Sunday. I just have known Jesus and the love of Jesus through the people that surrounded me all of my mm. life, and I'm fortunate for that. Indeed you are. And I thank God for that. He brought me a husband who grew up in a home mm -hmm. that had Christian values, mm -hmm. put us together. Mm -hmm. We've tried to do the same thing for our children and now grandchildren. And, you know, it's just the experience itself was always, it was never an earth-shattering thing. Mm -hmm. I never felt like I had to reconfirm my mm -hmm. faith mm -hmm. or anything. You were raised in it. And, and by the way, your grandma and grandpa founded the little Sunday school class that became Hope Lutheran Church all these years. So That's there you, true. There you go. And my conversion story, Jackie, dad was Catholic, mom was Lutheran. I think their agreement was, well, I'll baptize them all Catholic and then I'll raise them all Lutheran. So dad went to Catholic church every Sunday. The rest of us all went to Lutheran church. And I have the same story. I was raised in a good biblical Missouri Synod Lutheran church. And, and I believe I was saved early on, um, b raised believing in Christ, if, you know, baptism, I believe God gives you the Holy Spirit, and I was raised in that. But it wasn't until college that things became really clear to me that you're saved by Christ and not by good works. And that changed my life. And I, so again, I think I was saved before that because I believed in Christ, but I didn't quite get it. And so that was kind of my story in a nutshell. You know, Tom, it's funny you should say that because my mother was Catholic and my father was Lutheran, raised Lutheran. Mm. And they were married in the Lutheran church and my mother converted to Lutheran. Oh, she did. So, yeah. you know, I really basically grew up in the Lutheran <laughs> church. And I'll say this real quick. <laughs> I was baptized Catholic. I was raised Lutheran. I went to a Baptist college during which time I was a Presbyterian youth director. <laughs> <laughs> so I've kind of had it all, Jackie. All the bases are covered. Yes. And <clears throat> the biggest thing is that you're saved and that you're a Christian. Amen. <laughs> Amen. There's other ways of looking at it. <laughs> all right. Now, where was I out here? I was going to ask you. So do you believe that baptism is necessary for salvation? Well, you know, we know the thief on the cross went to heaven. Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. He wasn't baptized. We don't know that. Yeah, we don't know that. I mean, you know, maybe he received John's baptism, John the Baptist's baptism. There's no indication that he did. But on the other hand, in, in the New Testament, Jackie, in the book of Acts that we just studied, when people got saved, they got baptized. It was immediate. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was like a big deal. So people who say, I'm saved, but I don't need baptism. Actually, 1 Peter chapter 3 says, corresponding to this, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of Christ. So baptism's a big deal. And if you haven't been baptized, you need to get baptized. And yet churches have different ideas about baptism, yeah. too. I mean, as a child, you can't make that decision. Right. If you're a Baptist, you believe in adult baptism. If you're a Lutheran, Catholic, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, you believe in child's baptism. So these are things Christians disagree on. But... You can't doubt that baptism is a big deal in the book of Acts. It's just there. 
Pastor Tom, can you explain how, why does one person get converted and another doesn't? Mm -hmm. If they're hearing the same message. Yeah, and the verse that's occurring to me, Jackie, is also from the book of Acts. The apostles are preaching. Is this Acts chapter 10 or 12? I can't remember. You can Google it. Google the words, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, and you'll get the verse. The apostles are preaching, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So the way I believe is, yeah, we preach salvation to everybody. We say to everybody, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's all true. But ultimately, only those people who have the Holy Spirit in their heart, opening their heart. The Bible says the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive what the Apostle Paul said. So ultimately, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you also mentioned the false gospels when you were talking today. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the false gospels in the church today? Yeah. I mean, yeah. who's using them? Well, you know, the, you've got the false cults. Here's the deal, Jackie. Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, they're not cults, they're non-Christian religion. A cult, the way I understand it, is, is not a non-Christian religion. They're a, they say they're a Christian religion, but they're not. And we put under that banner Unitarians, uh, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Christian Science. Uh, those are the, some of the major cults. All right, but let's not, your question was, what about the false teachings right inside the church? Mm-hmm. And I would quickly say, let's say, yeah, we got, we got two. Number one is liberalism in the church. You have preachers today that don't believe in hell. They don't believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. They pray to God the mother instead of God the father. And they believe homosexuality, premarital sex, abortion, they're all fine as long as you love each other. That's a false teaching in the church is liberalism. But another, the, the second false teaching, and this tends to be in the conservative churches, is the prosperity gospel. That the reason Jesus came to earth is that you would have more money and be healed of all your diseases. That's a false gospel. Jesus came to earth to save us from hell, not to save me from bankruptcy. What a, no, like we, you've mentioned the ELCA. Lutherans, yes. Yes. What about other ones that are straying away? Well, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America is very liberal. The most liberal of all the Protestant denominations is the United Church of Christ, Congregationalists. A close second is the Episcopal Episcopal, uh, Church in America, but a close third to that is the ELCA Lutherans, and even with them is the Presbyterian Church in America. Uh, No, excuse me. No, they're the good ones. Presbyterian Church in America is a good Presbyterian Church. The Presbyterian Church USA is the liberal one. So all these, you know, there are good conservative people in all these. And Lutheranism, for instance, Missouri Synod, Wisconsin Synod, very biblical. It's the big one, the ELCA Lutherans that have gone astray. We want to thank you for being with us this week. Right now you're seeing our website on your screen. You can go to that website and watch any of our previous shows that we've aired in the past. And if you have a question for Pastor Brock that you'd like to have us answer, you can send it to that website and we'll take it up on another show. Thanks for being with us. We pray God will grant you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.